So what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like to pray, Lord. I, from what just happened in worship, Lord, I, we just lift you up, Lord. We pray that you keep our hearts open. We, ca- we pray that you keep our spirits open to you, Lord. And we just set aside, we set aside this world and we focus on the one who created it in your majesty and in your splendor and with perfection. And we just honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We were praying in the back before the service, and I, I was hoping I was going to be, I might need a tissue. I was hoping I'd be able to get through this. I don't know if you know if you feel this, but the Lord is really present and strong, and it's just, it's wonderful, right? Because all that really matters is the Lord's presence. When we worship and you get to that place, and when you really if you find a place where the Lord's present in your life and you're worshiping, and there's a reason that nothing else matters at that point. There's a reason that the worries slip away. Oh, thank you. There's a reason that the worries slip away. There's a reason that we don't concern ourselves with everything we walked in with. It's because in the presence of God, everything else is unimportant. In the presence of a spirit, everything else is unimportant. And our struggle every day is to reconnect ourselves with that. And there's, there's so many reasons that are, are demonstrative of how he and why he wants us every day to reach out and grab a hold of him. Because our nature is not to do that. It's just not. He created the world perfectly because of decisions that were made. And not, maybe not our particular hearts, but it's in our heart. We fell away from that grace. And we're battling for that. And everything's available. God made the world in perfection, and everything's available through him. And when he comes and restores all of this, it will be perfect again. But that's not yet. And we've got to live. We have, we have things to do. And so much of the Christian struggle, and that's what I'm talking about, I want to talk about today is the Christian struggle to keep God present, to keep him right in front of us, to, to help, to allow him to not let us feel defeated. Because if you're in Christ, we've won, but we seldom, we seldom or often, I should say, maybe not you, I'm preaching to me today. I always like to talk about things that affect me. So if you're in a great place all the time, that's awesome. I just have a, I suspect you're not. And so... That the struggle is how do we keep grabbing a hold of that, right? Every day, grab a hold of him. And Steve's been talking for a long time, and it's actually helped me quite a bit that every day, there's a reason that manna came every day. There's a reason that God's provision came every day uh, to, the, to the folks um, when they were wandering. is because he seeks to have us nourish ourselves with him every day. And if we don't, the world nourishes us instead. There's no in-between. We like to think there is. We've lived in a society for a very long time that's very comfortable. And all that comfort is fine. But what it does is it gives us a false sense of things. It gives us a false sense of where we're at. It gives us a false sense of our security. And lately, it hasn't been quite like that, right? There's been a lot of things going on. I actually feel like we're living in Acts again. I think, it's a, I think it's a wonderful time to be living. And I know it's not ideal with everything going on in the world, but when you, look at the, when you look at the apostles and you look at what happened in Acts and what they were going through, the church was birthed. And 
it's, you know, I don't, my eschatology is all over the place. I don't know about end times. I've been, I was raised a Baptist. I've been scared about the end times since I was like seven. <laughs> right? They, they talked about it all the time. And I just remember in the 70s, it was like, you know, this is it. Because the 70s weren't that great. Right? And we're like, this is it. Everything, remember that? I mean, it's like, it was, everything was, the Lord was coming right now. Right? And we feel that way again because of the world is shaking. But the world's always been shaking, right? It's just a matter of how much and our perception of it, but the world has always been shaking. And the question is, what can we do when the earth is shaking to stay grounded in who the Lord's called us to be? So we view the world as Christians, as believers, and we should view it. Um, Barb, could you put up my first picture? Is there a picture up there? Okay. So we should view the world like this. This is our Husky Cooper, okay? He's on the back of a, our friend's boat. The best boat, by the way, belongs to a friend. It's not your own. It, it's, your, it's your friend's boat. He's on the back of that boat, and he's cruising along, and he's happy. You know, if you have had many big dogs, but Huskies are happy dogs. Other than living to destroy all small life forms, like little, that's their job. But they're, they're really happy, and they're go-lucky. And honestly, this is kind of how we're designed. This is how we're, we're, we're supposed to kind of live, even right now. Now, it's hard to, I understand that, but the question is, what is the thing that the Lord gives us? What is his strength and his capacity and who he is that allows us to sometimes be like that instead of the next picture. Could you show us the next one? So uh, this is Emma. And that's how Emma sees the world. I mean, she's a really nice dog. She's a guard dog. She sees the world as something to, like, guard against, right? And we do have to guard our hearts and things like that. But that's kind of how Emma views the world. That's how a lot of us view the world. I mean, that's how I kind of look at it, too. We have to guard ourselves against it, right? We're, always, we're looking at everything that's going on, and we're suspicious of it because there's reasons to be suspicious of it, right? There's a lot of bad stuff going on. And that's kind of how, that's kind of how we review the world. So we want to try to see what we can do to get back to that first part because it's the first part that brings glory to God, right? It, we're not meant to... Living a, a good life and a, and a joyful life and living in Christ isn't supposed to be a job. He doesn't judge us on it. He just wants the best for us. Jesus loves us either way, anyway. Whether we're depressed right now or overly happy or, or going through things, Jesus loves us completely, wholly, all the time. And what he wants, he's not looking for us to act like we're, we can get along. He doesn't, he's not looking for us to act like we've got this. Because we don't got it, just let you know, okay? Because as soon as you think you got it, what happens? He shows you something else you don't got, right? Is there anyone that got to the end of what they got? You know, like you haven't got anything new from, from the Lord? And as believers, that's where he challenges us, right? And the reason he does that is so that we know that we don't got this. Because apart from Christ, we don't got this. 
And I, the way I grew up spiritually, like I said, I, don't, I love the Southern Baptists. I just happened to grow up in that church, and they're great. But if you've grown up in a, a bit of a legalistic environment, you feel like you always have to perform. Like, if I'm not happy, it's evidence that I'm doing something wrong. And the fact is, if you're not happy right now, or you have fear, or the world's crushing down on you, it's not evidence of that at all. It's just evidence that Jesus isn't as present right now, and you're not, take that back, you're not aware of the presence of Christ as much as you could be at that given time. Because once you're in Christ, he's always with you. Right? So if, if you're not feeling it right now, it's because something, you know, there's a buffer in between. The Bible says that we, even right now that we see through like um, a, a fog or a mirror or stained glass, I forget what it says, depends on your translation, but we don't see Christ. We can feel him, we can experience him, we get a portion of him. But he's always there. And what, I, what we want to talk about and what we want to do is figure out how we can take this world that's crushing down upon us and come to a place where we have victory over it. So what does victory mean? It means that we aren't afraid. It means that we know the beginning from the end. It means that we acknowledge it. By the way, I spent like, I work on Saturdays, so I, I spent all this time, and I even started with what I wrote down. Uh, but I'm not going to keep, I won't go forever, I promise. Um, let's look at Jesus' prayer. Let's put up um, John 17, 9. I do not, this isn't the middle of nine. It says, I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all are mine, are yours, are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but those but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me, that they may be one as we are. So Christ, at the end of his ministry, before the passion, before everything was happening, what was the focus of his prayer? It was you. Okay? Because we know that because if you go just a little bit further, I think it's verse, um, it's verse 20. Can you put up verse 20 for me? I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. All of those. The last thing Christ did before his ministry was ending, before his passion was pray for you. And he prayed for me that we would be kept in him in a world that he knew was about to get completely upheaved for the people he was closest to. So the last thing he did was pray for them. And we have to, realize, we have to remember that because he didn't, excuse me, he didn't pray. He didn't pray for the world. We're here to change the world, to allow Christ to change the world through us. But I, we have to understand that the world has fallen. And then the only way it gets redeemed is when Christ returns. Period. That's how it's been designed by him, and that's what he tells us. So whether it looks only a little bad or really bad, 
It's irrelevant to the purpose and the calling and to where he is going to end up on the throne over everything. So in our society, we have, we have enjoyed, you know, for a long time, we have enjoyed a lot of um, peace, basically. The church has been uh, persecuted forever. It's getting persecuted greatly in a lot of places right now. And we've mostly avoided that. But we're, you know, honestly, we're kind of seeing how it could happen, right? And we have to remember that although we are called to love the people in the world, that when you look and you see, especially on the news and things like that, everything going on, that the world is a fallen place. And that we're to have compassion. And that we're to pray. And we want to we want to be vessels that the Lord can use to bring everyone into the kingdom he possibly can, right? Everyone. We want no one to be lost. That's why he hasn't come yet. We know that. Lord hasn't returned because everyone hasn't been called unto him yet. And so we want this thing to stretch out as long as possible so that as many people as possible who he's called can come in to be with him. And we have to remember that when we're watching these things, and that the world seems to be crushing down and everything that we care about and that we, we love apart. You know, we, we, we love our country. We love our communities. We love our families. But the Lord's purpose is his purpose. And his purpose is not dependent upon how we feel about what the things are going on around us. They, they're tough, Right? But what happens as a believer, what we, can, what we have to protect ourselves against is not what's going on around us, but what, what the going on around us does to the inside of us. Because it's the inside of us that the Lord cares about. It's the inside of us that makes the difference on how we respond and how we react and how he can be glorified through what we do in our response to the world. God is glorified, meaning he is lifted up by our responses to what goes on around us. And we want to remember that because he prayed for us, not for this world at that time. The last thing he did was pray for us. We were, and not me, or for me, for you, for his disciples. And that was his focus. And it's our heart that is his focus. So let's go to, let's go to Matthew 13. 24 through 30. So Matthew 13. I should have brought my glasses. Okay. Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. The servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow uh, good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. 
That's good. It goes on to say that, you know, in the end, Christ takes care of the he tears are weeds, by the way. Okay? If, uh, that's a little, if you read New Living, it'd say weeds or something like that. Um, so we have the wheat, which is always is representative of, of the church, the believers, and then you have the tares or the weeds that grow up. A lot of us live like we're surprised that there's tares in the wheat field. Why are we surprised that there's tares in the wheat field? If you've ever grown anything, you know that not great things come up with the great things that you plan. There's tares in our lives, right? We have, all the, we have the good stuff that we do, the stuff that we plan, the stuff that we're good at, and here come popping up the weeds, and whether that's referring, if you go on, that's referring to how Satan comes along and he gets inside of people that aren't believers, and, you know, and Lord says in the end, I'll take care of it. That's the gist of that entire parable. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And what he impressed, the Lord impressed upon my heart was a lot of us feel responsibilities that we should not feel or we should not be burdened with, especially when it comes to our society. It, I hope you don't get me wrong. I don't mean we're not to pray for it and to care about it. I'm just saying it's not your responsibility to carry the burden of causing change in others apart from Christ. It's Christ that creates the change. It's the name of Jesus being glorified and lifted up that creates the change. And when you sit and you watch, and you, if you watch the news, which I really recommend you don't, <laughs> I stopped a long time ago. I, I mean, I read stuff and things like that. But... The, the burden that we feel when you watch bad things, you want to change it. You know, you have, God put his heart in you right now. And when you feel that, it's because something that he put in you, to feel compassion. And you want to change it. But that compassion can be turned into something that's a burden that wasn't meant to be there. It is not your job to feel the burden of the world and to feel the burden to change the world. It's our job to connect with Christ as best we can, to listen to what he says, to pray first in all things, to get guidance from him, and then go out and do what he asks. There's a lot of people that are running around screaming, and it's in the church too. We have a long history in the United States of having quite an activist church in some areas. And it's okay to vote for the people you think are the right people, the, the, the processes. It's all okay. But what happens to us is that it turns, into a, it turns into an idol. It turns into a personal crusade. It turns into something that is apart from God's will in our life. And we always have to ask ourselves, how can we come back to where he's called us to be? What is his heart for where we're at? What is the enemy doing? Because he, he's doing a lot right now, right? It's not, I'm not as concerned about what the enemy's doing in the world because to be honest with you, it's actually a gift to see such a dramatic shift in things. Like to not be sure is one thing in life, but there's a lot of things going on today where it talks about in the Bible in the end, you know, towards the end times, I'm not saying in, but towards the end times of what we all, what people become, Right? I think it's, let's, um, 
I'm going to talk about it for a second. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. That was awkward. Okay. But know this, this is that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's a good summary, right? That's what we see on, that's what you see on the news, that's what we see happening in our society. But in a way, it is a gift to see the separation because there's a lot of, we're kind of moving into a time where your excuse that you were fooled isn't going to work so well. I mean, there's clearly a delineation happening between what the Lord has called us to be as a church, as people, and what the world is calling people to be. There's a clear delineation. And you can even feel it because you're like, how can people believe that? How can they look at that? How can they, how can they be fooled like that? Someone I'm close to says that she wants people to wake up. So I thought when I, when I was putting my sermon together today, it's not so I can talk to Jean without her having to talk back at me when I have an opinion about this. Um, but someone I, Jean, someone I know says, how, I want people to wake up right? I think a lot of people are awake. And I think a lot of people have already made their choice. I want the people that aren't awake, that don't know the Lord, to come to them, obviously. But we can't just assume that people are not making the decisions that they should be making because they're unaware. Because we know that as time goes on, we know that the nature of our flesh, the nature of who we are, is that we live in rebellion. We live in rebellion against God in every form. And that's why it's so hard for us to come to him every day and to submit ourselves and and, and be humble and say, Lord, it's you that gives me, who makes me who I am. It's you who I depend upon. As Americans especially, we're fiercely independent. It's always kind of been the identity that we have. And we want to think that if we can just figure it out, and we can have the formula, that's what religion is, the formula, that we can just go ahead and do it apart from him. And what he put on my heart was that we need, it's that everyday relationship that Steve's been talking about in, you know, every week. It's that everyday relationship where we come back and we, we get close to who he is every day. Because when you do it, the Lord is so faithful to lift you up, because you're not gonna, some days it doesn't feel like anything, but honestly, it's like, um, it's like eating well, right? So, I've been in medical for like 20 years, I have a clinic, I've treated like 100,000 patients, and 
one of the things I've noticed is that you get people to come in and they'll ask you questions that they know the answers to. They just, they, they just don't do. Uh, you guys have probably done this. You've gone to your doctor, you've asked them things that you knew the answer to. The internet's here. You know the Everyone knows how to eat. Everyone knows that what you're not supposed to eat. Right? Is there anyone here who doesn't know what you're supposed to eat? Like, what's bad for you? I bet I could, we could go into the children's church and they could tell you, all of you who don't know, what's like bad for you to eat. Right? So, we all know what we're supposed to do. But we tend not to do it. Or we do it a little bit. We want to compromise a little bit here and there, right? And so I, you tell a patient, okay, this is what you need to do. And I've had that discussion with tens of thousands of people, and I can tell you in a second whether they believe me, or what, not whether they believe me, they know I'm telling the truth, whether they're going to do it or not, right? You can just tell the way people are whether they're going to do it or not. Like if you ask someone, have you been doing the exercises I recommended? The longer they pause, the more they're going to lie to you. I'm telling you. Because the people that are doing their exercises say just like that. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing just, I'm, and someone's like, well, that means they're not doing it at all. Okay? So we know the answers. We just don't do what we're, what we're, you know, what we should be doing. And that's where the relationship comes in. I've tried for so much of my life to do the Bible. And Steve talks about that all the time. We're not here to do the Bible. We're here to have a relationship with the person who does the Bible and who wrote it. Because it's the, it's the accusation. It's the constant feeling that we're inadequate. That's, in believers, that's what the enemy does. It makes you feel like you're not worthy to be wherever you are to do one more thing. Wherever you are right now, the enemy is talking to you and he's telling you that you're not worthy to do the next thing that you're supposed to be doing. And we have to learn to recognize it. We have to learn to diagnose it. We have to learn to say, what is this thing that I'm feeling? Because if you, if you feel inadequate, that's not God telling you you're inadequate. It's either your experiences or is Satan taking advantage of your experiences in your past? Because what Paul says is, I move forward. Right? We don't move back. He says, I move forward. Forgetting what lies behind me. We need to move forward. We need to forget what lies behind us. Because that's what, that's, what, that's what Christ does. You know when we're in heaven, there's, not, there's no future. It's always this... Think about this. When we go to heaven, when Christ restores his church and we live for eternity, what are you going to care about what happens next week? Right? Because you're here. You're present. That's how, that's how Christ views us. Present right now in this relationship right now. He's not worried about what you did in the past or what you might do tomorrow. He's present in relationship. And for so many of us, particularly from like my background, it was, it was very hard to personalize the idea of God right here. Because I could always understand that God loved you guys. I just always thought he kind of tolerated me. Right? Because I see what people do and their talents and everything else. And the first place I go is, 
that's good for them. I'm, gl- I'm, I'm glad God blesses them that way. And what's the next place you go to? Well, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if that, I, I would be. And it's the self-doubt and it's the accusation that comes in. What the Lord wants us to know, especially as believers, is that you are not defeated by this world. This world is, has been defeated. The power and the principalities of this world have been defeated at Calvary 2,000 years ago. So whatever you're looking at, whatever you see, you're seeing on TV, it has been defeated. Christ has been lifted up, right? So there is no principality, no power, no stronghold, no dominion that is not under the feet of Christ. And it has, not, it has been under the feet of Christ for 2,000 years. And when you accepted Christ into your heart, you became one with him and he became one with you. And that means it's under your feet too. And we've, we forget it. It's like eating. We, we know what we're supposed to do, but we forget because it feels good. It, feels, it, it, it feeds our soul because our soul likes angst. I don't know if you're so... My, we like angst. We like gossip. We like, we like all the solely stuff, right? We want to hear, you know, you hear about your, your, your relative that's doing great, or your friend. I just saw a bunch of friends of mine that I hadn't seen in like 20 years. They're all really successful. I'm like, wow, they're really successful. And that's like the first place I go. They're like more successful than me maybe or what's going on. Every, the grass is always greener. That's where our soul always goes. But that's, that's not where we're called to go. Christ has established himself. And just because the world doesn't agree with that yet, it will. You understand? The world has no choice but to fall into line, into agreement with what Christ has already established. We need to stop thinking when we watch the news and when we see everything going on around us that in some way it's not going to get better. Because it might not get better tomorrow, but it's going to get better. Right? Right? And we need to, as best we can, through that relationship, through our understanding what God, the Lord, wants for us personally, we need to recognize what he has accomplished and stop minimizing it. Stop minimizing Christ has accomplished all things. We have accomplished all things through Christ. There is no principality, there is no power, no demonic stronghold, no dominion that is not under the feet of Christ. He was raised above and seated next to the majesty on high, far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions, and every name that was named in this age and in, in the age to come. And all things are under his feet. And he is the head of all things to the church, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So every one of us, we are delivered, we are liberated, we are rescued, we are redeemed, we are restored. We have been made perfect in Christ. And we need to stop listening to everything that we see around us that says we haven't. Oops, sorry about that. So, how do we respond to the world then? Do you yell at the television? Come on. Who talks to the TV? I saw, I knew it was you. I knew. 
It's the guys. It's, it's all those guys at a certain age. We all talk to the TV, right? So the response that we have to the world right now is only rooted in one or two places. And it all goes back to the garden. It's either rooted in the tree of life or it's either rooted in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is grace. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is judgment. And I dare to say, the place that we go to is we come to this place from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because we know what's right. We know what should be done. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know. And honestly, who cares? What, what good is it to be right apart from God? What good is it if our opinions don't glorify him? What good is it if our strong opinions allow Satan to come in and creep in and make us justified in ourselves? Because that's what it is. Strong opinion is your own justi justification in your own self instead of a justification through Christ. Because Christ did not come to judge the world, but by him through it to save the world through him. Right? So, you have these two trees, and you can't hug two trees at one time. You can't, they're not together. They're big trees. We cannot sit here hugging the tree of life and at the same time hug the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what do you do? You got to pick a tree. And our soul tells us that we want to pick the knowledge of good and evil. And what we want to do through Christ and through our relationship is to see what his heart is and to see what he's doing through relationship because there's, there's something there, that feeling you have, that wanting to be right, wanting the world to be a certain way. It's there because of compassion. It's there, it's, God put it there. But you have to turn it over to him to allow him to do what he wants to do with it. And if we can do anything, it is to allow the Lord to move forward to the end that he's going to end up anyway. And to co-labor with him in those things. Not to complain about those things. Not to have angst about those things. Not to argue with our friends and our family and to argue with the world about those things. Christ lived in a fallen world. He lived under brutal Roman rule. He lived under even a more oppressive religious state under the Roman rule. And he never, his concern was with for people, always. You never hear him complaining about Rome. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Do you think, do you think Jesus, when he was here, cared about Rome? Like what the Romans were doing right then? The disciples sure did because he thought that he was coming to defeat the Romans for them, right? But he lived under oppressive rule. And what he cared about was people and the hearts of people. Someone was brought to him in adultery. He didn't care about the adultery. He cared about the heart of the adulterer. Whatever our soul, especially in today's world, tells us to do, it's like 
that old Seinfeld episode where George decided every decision he ever made was wrong. So we started to do the complete opposite all the time. Maybe he got successful, right? That's like my soul apart from Christ makes every wrong decision. It has every wrong feeling. So whatever I'm feeling, a lot of times I'm like, well, it's probably just the opposite of that. Um, if some, it's like when people, it's the same thing. Someone is angry towards you. What's our first response is anger back to meet like with like. And if there's one thing Jesus Christ did on this earth was he did not meet like with like. He met like with eternity. They don't compare. Not at all. That's what Christ did. He came and met like with an eternal plan that has already been established, that has already been completed. We just need to be reminded every day through relationship that it's been completed. So when we go out and we go forth now the rest of this week, the reason we get together like this is so that we can keep reminding ourselves. And we're not, we're not, it's not a false platitude. We're not kidding ourselves when we say all is well. Because the, all is well. You hear? Say it, all is well. All is well. One more time, all is well. All is well. All is well. All is well. You didn't say it, but I'm, I'll talk to you afterwards. We're all injured, and we all need to keep moving forward. We all have the cross that we carry. We all need to keep moving forward. Stop complaining. If you're going to complain, complain in prayer and then praise God afterwards. Praise him first, then complain, praise him again. It's okay to complain. Just do it to God. Your spouse doesn't want to hear. No, I can't say that. Um, it's okay, but we, the people around you want to hear. Yes, they want to hear what's on your heart. But the truth is that all is well. If you walk out of here today, just remember that. Or when you walk out, not if. When you walk out of here today, all is well. And I'm not saying that because I'm optimistic. Optimism is irrelevant. What is relevant is the truth. And whether you are at peace or not is your relationship with what the truth is. You understand? Peace comes from your understanding of the truth. Period. So if you're not at peace, we need to figure out how we can get you and we know how to do it, we can get you into a proper relationship with what the truth is that the Bible says. Because when you know the truth, you are at peace. Because to not be at peace denies what the truth is, that Christ has established his kingdom, and he will establish his kingdom. He is, it's already done, and it's already happening. Isn't that exciting? He's established his kingdom. The truth is, we get peace by recognizing what the truth is. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And what I want to pray about is that our understanding individually, aside in, in part and in relationship with Christ, that we come to a proper understanding of what the truth is. That Christ died and he was raised again and he is seated next to the Father in the heavenlies. He's going to return. He's provided for us the Holy Spirit. 
He's in relationship with us right now, whether you feel it or not. We just need to set aside our feelings and start recognizing what the truth is. And the truth comes from our relationship. Good? Yeah? Okay. So, let's all, let's all stand up. If you're at a place, if you want to be at a place where you change or you are changing your environment and the environment isn't changing you, where you speak truth to the environment instead of the environment speaking lies to you that purport to be the truth. Just open your heart. And what we want to do is we want to come with an honest heart. Right? That's what God, all he wants. He wants an honest heart. Where you at? He knows where you're at. He wants you to tell him where you're at. So you just acknowledge it. You don't have to put on a fake smile. You don't. He's not asking for you to pretend to be something that you're not. So we come to him with a true heart. And we say to the accuser that the blood of Christ is enough. So wherever you're feeling accused, we just call out to Christ and we thank you, Lord, that your blood sprinkles our conscience and it covers all accusation. Accusation is gone. And Lord, I pray that you would call us to return our minds that have become lost or have become distorted or become just wrong in their thinking, Lord. Pull our minds back to your truth. Bring to mind scriptures and the truth of scriptures because it's the scriptures that erode lies. It's the scriptures that displace the false traditions of man. It's the scriptures that establish us in the work of Christ. So bring to mind those scriptures, Lord. Let the water of the word start washing over us again. And the water of the word cleanses us. Yes. We are cleansed. The water of the word cleanses us in Jesus' name. And knowing our lives and knowing where we are and knowing what we've accomplished, it is our confession of hope in Christ. He is our confession of hope. It is He is our confession of hope. That it's irrelevant where we are. It only matters where He is. Because if we acknowledge the truth, we are seated where He is. And the confession of our hope is that Jesus has healed all. He has saved all. He's delivered all. He's provided for all. That is the confession of our hope, and it's the truth. So Lord, we lift up our confession of hope in you. And we say that we embrace you. We embrace our relationship with you, Lord. We pray that you would pull us. Let us take the next step with you. Where we have wandered, Lord, we come back. Where we have disagreed, we come back. Where we have any way questioned your faithfulness, we come back. Because it's by faith that we're justified, Lord. It's by faith in you we're made righteous, we're made sons, we're made daughters, we've received redemption. It is by your blood, the forgiveness of sins and abundance of grace extends to all of us in Jesus' name. So salvation is of God and we freely receive it given to us in Jesus' name. That we are more than conquerors in Christ. 
And if we have to scream it from the rooftops or in our bedroom every morning, we're going to do it. Yes, Lord. Right? We are more than conquerors in Christ. We are more than conquerors in Christ. That's who we are. And we praise you, Lord. We lift up your name. We lift up your holy name that you will be proclaimed in all things and justified in all things, that the name of Jesus is made alive in me, in you, in our families, in our friends, in the lost, and in this world, the name of Jesus is made alive this day and every day. So wash us, Lord. Wash us. We open ourselves to you, and all it takes is a desire, because he does all the rest. It takes a desire. And we take that desire and we say that we live for you. That you have established all things. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, this is the time to know him. If you've never accepted him in your heart, if, you, if you're not sure, if, you're not, if you don't know if you've been saved or not, Bible, it's super easy because we're not smart, so we kept Lord kept it easy for us, right? You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you confess with your mouth that Christ raised him from the dead, and you are saved. Does anyone want to get saved that's not saved? If you want to, just lift up your hand. Think we're... Lord, we thank you for this day, and we bless you, and we love you. We are excited about the future. In Jesus' name, amen.